Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're Upbringing, we're here live at 5-ish uh, to chat about the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff. In particular tonight, we're talking about triggers. Mm. Yay. Who's feeling <laughs> triggered out there? I'm feeling triggered. Moi. I feel like we had a, a big day of triggers <laughs> personally. We're so happy to see everyone here. We're going to be talking tonight with Jen Lumenlin of Your Parenting Mojo about how to feel less triggered, about mm-hmm. where triggers come from, um, about... Um, about her new workshop that we're joining with say. her. If you're interested in that, that's what we're going to be talking about. Not like all the course specifics, but just the realm of triggers. What triggers us? Why do we feel this way? What's up with that? What's up with feeling shitty about our parenting sometimes, mm-hmm. right? We How do we lot, navigate that? We had a lot of people writing in to, today about what triggers them most yeah. and their, their kids' behaviors. What are the things when their kid struggles with this thing or when their kid says this to them or when... They're personally struggling with whatever. And I'm really excited to kind of explore with Jen about what are these triggers? Mm -hmm. Is it our kids' fault that we're feeling triggered? They are triggering us. They're triggering us. Or do they have some level of responsibility? Is is the trigger something that's already there and, and they just happen to be some sort of like happy catalyst in the situation or unfortunate catalyst, depending on how we're looking at it? It's a big mystery, and we're hoping Jen can shed some light um, on feeling <sighs> triggered. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, we also want to acknowledge our privilege in being here and talking about these things as cis, straight, able-bodied white women uh, trying to do the work. Mm-hmm. And a, a big part of that comes through the ways that we are trying to engage with our kids in the hardest moments, right? Through conflict, through disagreement, um, we are, when we're able 
trying to resist the impulse to control, to dominate, to oppress, to do all the things that we try to fight against in our, um, in our lady selves and then come home yeah. and kind of struggle with mm-hmm. as our mom selves or parent selves. Jen's all about integrating those things too, which mm-hmm. is why we love talking with her so much and why we're so interested in taking her course because it's not this like dry, this is what you should do, this is mm-hmm. what you shouldn't do. She integrates all of these, these greater values we hold as progressive people into this inner work and this deep and hard work of mm-hmm. working on ourselves, uncovering some uh, experiences we had when we were younger in a safe environment where we're not alone with our journal or yeah. just with a new therapist, but in a community, yeah. you know. And I think that's also kind of a scary thing to be like, I don't want to talk about shit that happened yesterday, let alone 25 years ago. That sounds so like triggering is the word I would say probably. Um, and I think that here as a community, we can lean in a little bit. We can make each other feel a little braver and a little more supported arm in arm and digging into that stuff a bit. And thinking about this is not just I'm going to do a little personal growth work, which is great. Talk about privilege, but Mm -hmm. This is going to help me work on that. Like we talk about oxygen mask Mm -hmm. in the moment. Our kids are struggling. And when I say struggling, I mean saying really mean things, Mm -hmm. throwing stuff, being destructive, resisting everything, Mm -hmm. all of our good intentions, pushing back against our responsibility to keep them safe, keep them fed, keep them clothed, keep them clean, keep them learning the things that we want them to learn. And so much about this kind of working on our triggers or taming our triggers Mm -hmm. is so much about figuring out that first step, Mm -hmm. that oxygen mask that actually comes before the resist approach that we talk about. Our approach is respect, empathize, sync up, innovate, summarize, and trust. It's this loose steps, like six part process to basically a respectful conversation with our kids in a time of conflict. But (laughs) how can we engage in that conversation? I believe in in having this conversation. I believe my kids have rights. I believe that I want to have this democratic, more egalitarian family situation, but how, right? Let's bring Jen on to talk about how we do this. Send your, Mm -hmm. do you have questions that some of our listeners sent in? I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, great. She's going to pop on. Hi. Hello. Hello. I was enjoying listen, enjoying listening, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm supposed to be in this, aren't I?" <laughs> <laughs> we just trying to open you up, so it's not our big mouths like the the whole way. <laughs> well, hey so many folks in our community are fans of yours, Jen, and I'm sure they are so excited uh, about chatting with you tonight and having the floor where they can ask you all about, you know, what are triggers. Um, what, uh, what, you know, solutions and framework do you have to offer as support? Um, Mm -hmm. what made you want to create the Tame Your Triggers workshop and, and engage with folks that you work with on support around triggers in general? Give us a little background. Yeah, it really came actually out of a question from a parent. And, uh, she asked me, when is my child going to grow out of these behaviors that I find so triggering? (laughs) And I said, oh, (laughs) and started digging into it and looking at the research, uh, which is where pretty much all of my work comes through is through the scientific research on the topic. And yeah, turns out that our our children are probably not going to grow out of the behavior that we find so difficult because the true source of these feelings lies within us and uh, and not in the thing our child is doing. And they may grow out of that behavior. And then chances are, they'll have a developmental leap. And pretty often those are accompanied by more triggers. 
<laughs> the whining and the, the sibling fighting and everything else. <laughs> yeah, what starts is, you know, really shrieky crying, goes then into mm -hmm. kicking, goes then into mean words, goes then into lying or hiding. It, it will never end, which I think to a yeah. lot of folks, you're like, oh my gosh, it will never end. This sounds very pessimistic. Uh, but I also like to bring up the fact that we talk about growing up with our kids. So as our kids are going through these lovely milestones in development yeah. that are so challenge challenging to us, we can maybe not be growing out of things, growing out of our triggers, but growing up too. Do you feel like it's yeah. that kind of thing? Like maybe we can be overcoming in a growing out of way? Yeah, I actually use the word reparenting a lot because it's almost like we are trying to reparent ourselves. We're trying to give to ourselves what was not given to us because our parents weren't able to do that or they didn't see that there was some kind of absence there that we needed. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to do that at the same time as we're trying to parent the children who are in front of us right now. Yeah, it's such a twofold job. I don't think any of us realized that when we were getting into it. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, we didn't either, for sure. Something Kelsey yeah. and I were brought up earlier on our walk today, we were talking about the idea of, of triggers and how much awareness there is culturally and socially uh, around triggers now, which I think is generally a really good thing. And I think it's creating that awareness, bringing that into the parenting realm as well. But where do you see the problem with acknowledging triggers um, in parenting? Because I think that in other realms, we, we are trying to create consciousness around being aware of other people's triggers. We don't want to be triggering people. We want to be mindful. We want to be respectful. Mm -hmm. But do we and can we and should we put that same responsibility in our kids not to be triggering us? <laughs> I don't think we can. Um, and I'd like to be precise in the terminology that we're using. Um, when we're talking about the word triggering, that actually has a very specific definition in the psychological literature. So it comes from studies who, from psychologists who did studies who worked with people who, who've been through wars and who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. And so when you are talking about uh, being triggered, what's happening is that uh, you are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder due to war or other type of trauma that has happened in your life, and that some uh, aspect of the current situation is triggering a memory of that previous event. And so that's what triggering means. Um, that said, uh, it is still possible to have a feeling that is very similar <laughs> to feeling triggered, and that's called being flooded. And that mm -hmm. doesn't have the expectation that you have uh, experienced trauma. You can feel, I, anyone who anyone in the world can feel flooded in a, in a difficult moment with their child, whether or not they've experienced any kind of trouble with their child. Um, and no, I don't think we can put it on our children because how can they know <laughs> whether we have experienced trauma or not? How can our child know what it is that it is that is uh, so difficult for us? And, and they're the ones who don't have the fully developed brain structures yet. We're, we're the ones who have fully developed brains and we still find it so hard to control ourselves. I think that's a big thing that comes out of people who do the workshop. Suddenly they have a massive empathy for their children who have a hard time um, with emotion regulation <laughs> yeah. because they see that this is basically the same process happening where we are adults having trouble regulating our emotions just the same as our children are too. Yeah, I love that you kind of distinguish between the, the triggered and flooded, because we had a lot of people writing in and saying, like, I don't think I had any trauma. I'm not sure that I'm being triggered, uh, consciously, at least. So maybe there's some like, 
people who know that they're feeling triggered specifically from something that they went through. Like I know my dad used to yell at me. And so when I hear yelling, I'm mm -hmm. feeling that again. Or yeah. maybe there's some people who are just like, I'm feeling flooded because I've never like experienced the skills to deal with a yelling person. Or yeah. maybe there's some unconscious element of both. I don't have the skills and maybe that happened, but I'm not that in touch with it or in tune with it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it must be kind of like a spectrum, right? Yeah, I, I break this down into three separate kind of categories. There's what psychologists call big T trauma, which is the type of stuff that you think of when you think of trauma, you know, someone who's experienced war, or they've seen their parent murdered in front of them, or they've experienced like really big stuff. And, and we can't draw a straight line and necessarily say that anyone who's experienced big T trauma is going to feel triggered at some point. We process this so differently. And uh, we know from studies of Holocaust survivors, some of them go on to lead happy, fulfilled, productive uh, lives and, and relationships. And others of them are completely, completely overwhelmed and traumatized. Um, and so, so some people who have experienced big T trauma will go on to uh, have PTSD and, and experience triggering. Um, there, there's another kind of trauma that psychologists call small T trauma. And that's the kind of stuff that shows up much more commonly in childhood. You know, things like uh, your parents went through a divorce or you were bullied in school or, you know, these kinds of things that just happen in so many lives. And, and cumulatively, especially, they can also have an impact on us. And then finally, there's this additional category that I kind of created, which is uh, what I call the trauma of unmet needs. Mm -hmm. which is essentially what you talk about all the time <laughs> around uh, we, we are all people who have needs. And as children, the vast majority of our needs were ignored because our parents didn't see them or our parents saw them and said, you know what, I can't deal with that right now. Or they said, um, we, we are going to disregard your need. Your need is not as important as this other person's need or as my need. Um, or maybe some people's parents actually had a project to break them. And they said, your needs are not needs that are welcome in this family or in our culture. And we are going to break you of those. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people go through some aspect of this trauma of unmet needs, either in addition to or instead of uh, the, the big T, small T traumas. And so, yeah, it shows up in almost everybody's life. So one, one or more of these forms of trauma. Mm -hmm. Big breath of grace for all of us who've experienced these big T's, little T's, anywhere in between. Yeah. Yep. And I think that it, like what really flashes me in the moment is that while we're trying to reparent ourselves and be conscious and aware of these traumas we've experienced in the way that we're trying to not feel triggered uh, in the way or flooded in the way, we're trying not to continue that cycle and mm -hmm. continue that legacy. So much of what you do at your yep. parenting mojo and what we're trying to do here at Upbringing too is about interrupting those cycles. We don't want to continue those traumas, whether, whether or not, you know, our parents were all doing the best they could with the skills that they had, our situations were what they were, but how do we kind of look at this job of taming our triggers um, as an opportunity and not as a pressure to, to, to quit that cycle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is, again, the same as with uh, when you experience trauma, it isn't necessarily going to mean that you uh, have PTSD, that you are triggered. 
uh, you can't say that just because a person's family has had trauma in it or your your life has had trauma in it that you will pass on this to your children. But we do know that trauma can be passed on both uh, epigenetically, which is kind of how the situations that you find yourself in turns on or off the expression of your genes. Um, and also through the the ways that you're, you parent, the ways that you interact with your child are different mm -hmm. because of the kinds of trauma you've experienced. So yeah, I, I completely get um, <laughs> that it's, it, is, it can feel like a burden. It really can. Um, but it can also be an incredible opportunity. And, and I think that that's it's something that uh, parents come into this when they first learn about taming your triggers. They come into this thinking, well, if my child would just change their behavior, things would be so much better and I wouldn't feel like this anymore and I wouldn't snap at them anymore. And so the thing to change, because that's what's setting it off, is my child's behavior. And I don't know if you've ever tried to change anyone else's behavior or each other's behavior. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard. Yeah. <laughs> and so when battle. we... <laughs> yes, a constant uphill battle. Um, but that's actually an opportunity when we see that this is coming from within us really the true source is not our child's behavior then we can say okay that's actually something i can affect <laughs> and yes it seems really hard right now and it seems like i just don't know what to do i don't even know where to start but this is this is the place where it happens it's all going to happen inside us i love that um some folks uh wrote in a, a couple questions that I want to get to, but I, I also want to say a few people wrote and said, why are you guys taking Jen's Tame Your Triggers workshop? <laughs> uh, and, I, and I wanted to, to clarify that. I think that, you know, I, triggers, um, they're universal. Uh, they're universal. Yeah. I mean, they can happen to anybody. I think flooding triggers any of the trauma in general, micro trauma or trauma with a big T uh, can happen regardless of, of of race, of socioeconomic status, of gender, of, of so many different things in there. Of whether there are, or not you're a parenting coach. <laughs> exactly, of, of training, of, of preparation, of, yep. of anything. And I think that that's part of the work that we love doing alongside everybody is that's what we're learning. That's how we're showing up and growing up is, is doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think we've just been getting so many questions from folks in our community who are just like, I'm bought in. I've got the beliefs, I'm rewriting those. Mm -hmm. um, I've got the, the helpful phrases, the new approach, the resist approach I'm trying to run. But there's still certain moments that it's just, mm -hmm. I can't, they will not get through. I cannot with the best of intentions, the mm -hmm. highest level of awareness, crack the code on why I scream in this moment, mm -hmm. why I, I literally run away and slam the door. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm being taken over by another person. It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm back in my childhood and I don't even know what's going on. Mm -hmm. and, and Kelsey and I even have those moments. We have them with our partners sometimes. We have them with our kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. No one is immune to, to necessarily to being triggered or to having those moments. So I think that's why we wanted to, to take one of your courses finally. Mm -hmm. uh, and this felt like the right one. And so um, I just wanted to show that solidarity too, that we're all, we're all in this together with, with everybody in our community mm -hmm. um, on this journey. Let's see. So someone asked, what are triggers and what do they feel and look like? You mentioned what they kind of are, but like, could you paint a picture, of, you know, for folks to be like, well, I think a lot of folks are like, maybe I'm identify not, with, I'm not bit. triggered or, you know, I haven't had those like big T and I don't even know about the little T traumas, like, but maybe they could kind of um, identify in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I think 
the the most uh, sort of succinct way of, of thinking about what is a trigger is it's when or or flooded, whichever it is for you, is mm-hmm. it's when you just kind of feel um, out of control of a situation. And control is not a word that I use lightly. It's mm-hmm. um, it's I think something that we like to think that we have, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's that feeling that uh, when that is just falling away, and and we recognize that we have no control over what is what what our reaction is to our child in that moment. Um, and that can show up differently for different people. And so for some people, they will go into flight mode. They will leave the situation by whatever is the fastest means possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may actually physically walk out the door and, and you know, their child is doing something that they spread glitter all over the floor or their child is yelling or whatever it is. And the parent is just out of the room. They just cannot cope with being in the same room with that. Um, another way that it shows up is in fight mode where we're, we're kind of coming out <laughs> ready to fight and we are looking to protect ourselves. And, uh, and that can be very disconcerting for a child to be on the receiving end of that. So maybe we're yelling and screaming. Maybe we even swat or spank our child because that is all that we can think of. We're not even thinking. It's like all we can do in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Another way it can show up is freezing. So maybe your brain just shuts down. (laughs) It's like your body is still there. You're physically still there, but there's nobody home. (laughs) And, and so you're just, uh, it's almost like your, your mind is, is completely shut down and unable to respond to what your child is doing. Um, And then there's another one that psychologists have added recently, which they they've referred to as fawning, which is often ones that show one that shows up in uh, people who have survived abuse as children, where they will uh, try to appease the person that is uh, that is triggering them in that moment. And uh, because it's a way to uh, try to get whatever difficult thing is that's happening to stop. And so I think the, the key thing to recognize across all of these kinds of responses is that you're, you developed them because they helped you in a previous experience. When you were growing up and your parent was shouting at you or you were you know, watching something happen that you never wanted to see happen and you hope you will never see again, whatever it was that happened for you, um, or if it was, I say just that your needs weren't being met, but that that is trauma too. That seriously is. If it's that your needs were not met, you develop these strategies. You said to yourself, well, I know my needs are not going to get met. So I'm just going to pretend like I don't have needs. Um, I'm just going to like, I'm not going to be here anymore because it's too painful to me to try to be in relationship with you when you're saying my needs don't matter. And so we develop these protective mechanisms to serve us. But the key thing is they're not serving us anymore. <laughs> We're not in that situation anymore, but we've forgotten how to be in that full relationship that we used to want to be in when we were so little. We've sort of shut off that part of ourselves and forgotten how to do it. And so a big part of this is kind of waking ourselves up again to the possibility of being in full, true, honest, genuine relationship with another person so that we don't have to feel like we have to shut down this part of ourselves that can't possibly be accepted. That's beautiful. Uh, Something that comes to mind as as the key to to that waking up is our bodies. Can you kind of discuss that a little bit? Um, The the body-mind connection and... and, Yeah. I love that concept of reawakening, though. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Goosebumps, I yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, um, the, the body-mind connection is definitely something that I've been digging into personally for the last couple of years now. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely critical. And the, the ways that we, um, we have experienced trauma show up physically in our bodies as well. And it can be, um, there, there's very direct uh, evidence, um, you know, decades of research on people who have experienced big T trauma and showing up at the doctor's office decades later with heart disease or hypertension or you know, medical mm. conditions that until that point, nobody had ever thought to ask, well, is it possible you experienced trauma as a child? And so these have a real impact on people's health. Um, even on a, a smaller scale than that, you know, it, it impacts our bodies. The, the, the shapes that we take on in our bodies uh, come to stay with us and, and be part of how we hold ourselves. And you know, a super personal example of that, how, how I hold my shoulders straight um, and, and sort of very, uh, very rigid. You know, I, I didn't actually realize uh, quite to the extent I did that until super randomly, my husband was hanging out in my daughter's room at bedtime one day, just making videos with her. And I happened to come around the corner into her room and I appear in the video and he shows it to me afterwards. And mm -hmm. I just see how, how tense my shoulders look. And my first thought was that those are the shoulders of someone who spent a lifetime protecting themselves. And, and so those are the kinds of ways that this shows up in our bodies. And, and, uh, and so we, I've actually added a module this time around to the workshop on the somatic experience of trauma and, and starting to work through that process as well. Oh, thank you for oh, sharing that. I love that. We're getting so many comments of folks saying resonating so much with me, same here, um, resonating so deeply. I can't wait to catch up later on what I've missed so far. Awesome points. Me too, someone says. I think what's so like mm -hmm. connecting to me about this uh, this topic as well is I think when we think about being triggered as a parent, we have this sense of guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I'm the aggressor in these moments and it feels yeah. like shit to be yelling at my mm -hmm. kid. Triggering isn't, is, is a nice way of saying it's personal to me, but the w things we do impact other people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy yeah. to feel really guilty about that and to, to hold ourselves really heavily with it. And I think within that exploring, it gives this incredible permission to realize not that we were necessarily a victim, but that it's not our fault, mm -hmm. that we are not, um, you know, just the aggressor or mean or a bully yep. or it's not binary, whatever it is. Yeah. It's not binary. Mm -hmm. You know, that, yeah. that all of these things are mitigating circumstances, that these are contributing to, to who we are and, and pieces that we're just and skills that we're missing a little bit. And like you said, Jen, that, that our triggers are adaptive responses that we used as survival mechanisms, yeah, right? They're yeah, actually brilliant coping strategies. Right. And yeah, now they they're not, like you said, mm -hmm. they're not working so well for us, but I love that kind of, that, that two part of the body so that it, it gives mm -hmm. us the information, uh, uh, which is hard about our trauma. But the flip side of it is that it's also this key and this guiding light in some ways about how to heal from that trauma. And I'm sure that you yeah. cover this in the course too. I want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So a, a couple of things just on, on what you're saying about um, beating ourselves up about it, <laughs> uh, because that, that's super, super common, especially when people start to learn it from a cognitive perspective. Maybe they read an article about it or something and they feel like, oh, yeah, I'm understanding this a bit better now. I know that I need to do something differently. Here's what I'm going to try. And then it fails. And immediately they think, oh, well, I suck at this. I, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to do any better than this. 
Um, and so I think the, the two things, the two messages that I'd like to leave parents with on that are firstly, it's not our fault that these things happen to us, but it is our responsibility to own our share of what's happening in this relationship and to say, you know what, I'm not showing up in this relationship in the way that I want to. And I'm, it's not that I need to change your behavior <laughs> so that you don't trigger me as much. It's that I need to do some work myself. Um, and, and so that's supporting people through that process is, is really what the workshop's about. And then the second part of it is when we beat ourselves up, I mean, that doesn't actually do anything to help us. <laughs> it, all it does is make us feel worse. If we can instead show self-compassion towards ourselves and, and a key part of that is recognizing, you know what, we're not alone. <laughs> it's not just me that's a crappy parent and everybody else has got all this, you know, their act together and, and they, they're managing just fine and I'm the only one who can't get it together over here. No, this is, this is happening to all of us. <laughs> and so when we can see that we're not alone in this and that we are going to screw up we're, we're going to we can we, there are things we can do to screw up less often but we're still going to screw up sometimes because we're human and because humans screw up <laughs> and so when we can see that and we can treat ourselves with self-compassion that frees us up to then be able to say you know what i screwed up and tomorrow is a new day and i'm gonna try again and maybe i'll screw up again but i'm gonna keep trying and that's what it is to be in relationship with somebody else is is to just get back up and say i'm gonna keep trying Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love the giving ourselves grace for what's happened to us and what we've been yeah. experiencing right now, but also saying what's next. How can we be taking little, even little steps forward to be changing, changing mm -hmm. the arc? Yeah. yeah. A few people wrote in here. Let's get to them here. They said, beautiful. Uh, I think now I'm a parent. I realize my parents were just figuring it out day to day, but in the moment you think your parents are perfect. Mm -hmm. Someone else mentioned, and the triggers change when the kids hit different developmental stages, especially when they hit yeah. an age where the parents' own trauma occurred. That's yeah. so interesting thinking mm -hmm. about being triggered based on the age of your kid when you had maybe been had mm -hmm. a trauma or yeah. um, when your mm -hmm. kids are doing something that mm -hmm. triggers that trauma, right? Yeah. There must yeah. be so many different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which so is why waiting for your child to grow out of it or trying to train them out of it is not going to help <laughs> yeah. because there's going to always be that next stage. And, mm -hmm. and if we don't work on this in ourselves, it, there's always going to be the, the next thing mm -hmm. that's coming down the pipe. And, and we will, we'll be back to where we are now, not knowing what to do about it, not knowing how to move forward. Right. Someone said uh, self-compassion, so powerful. Thanks. And other folk said self-compassion is so hard. And I think, the, the way I've been trying to gear myself up to take this Taming Your Triggers course is thinking, this is a mystery and I, I want to solve this. I want to get a little closer and a little deeper. This isn't some retribution. This isn't some um, judgment dudes. day. Yeah. This isn't something that's very quite patriarchal, like something bad's going to happen when you get to the end of this. This is like a, some beautiful mystery. Like I think in like cinematic terms, like, what is this movie going to be when I take this course and go down this, this personal work kind of rabbit story. And I think that, 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 that the way we think about it is, is so, um, so powerful. And so that's what I love about taming your triggers. It's not about shaming. It's not about um, blaming. blaming or giving mm -hmm. too much information without the, the kind of personal self-compassion angle. Um, it just really spoke to us on that, mm -hmm. on that level. 
Yeah. And why is self-compassion so hard? I mean, because nobody modeled it for us. <laughs> no, nobody showed us this is what it's like to screw up because because our parents projected this front that they knew everything, <laughs> even though they were just paddling <laughs> under the surface, just like we are. And, right. and, you know, all this united front stuff and, you know, never show weakness to the child because then they'll realize that you don't actually know everything. When mm -hmm. uh, having your child know that you don't know everything is enormously freeing <laughs> because it allows them to see that people screw up and they repair and and when they screw up in relationships, which they will, because we all do, they will then know, oh, yeah, when when things happen that I wish hadn't happened, I know what to do about that because I saw my parents do it with me. And so when we go through this, we are modeling for our children the way that they're going to show up in relationships with people who are important in their lives as well. And that's so important, I think. I love that. It's, it, it's so confounding to realize as a parent, like, our compassion becomes their self-compassion. Our respect mm -hmm. for them becomes their self-respect. Our voice becomes their inner voice. It's so backward. And someone wrote in and said, what's your opinion on apologizing to your children for your triggers? So in this kind of modeling discussion. Mm, yeah, um, I, absolutely. Uh, if, if I guess a, a scenario, um, maybe you uh, left some glitter <laughs> in an accessible location. <laughs> and you're running to the shower because you, you both need to be out the door and you come out of the shower and there is glitter everywhere and is you glitter lose a big it. thing for you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, glitter in general and mess is not a big thing for me. Okay. I, 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 I don't have a problem with mess at all. I have plenty of other problems. Mess is not one of them. And my, <laughs> my husband's listening in the next room. He's like, yeah, she's right. Um, <laughs> so, but I know that it is for very many parents, which is why I use that example. Um, and, and we just lose it at our child. You know, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know, we need to be out the door. You know, you're not supposed to pay with glitter, whatever it is. Um, after, firstly, do we punish the child for spreading glitter all over the floor? No, we're not going to punish the child. It was our responsibility to put the glitter in a place where they, they you know, couldn't have accessed it. We messed up. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Let's try and work together. Let's invite them to clean up the glitter with us. Um, mm -hmm. They may well be feeling flooded themselves in that moment, and they may not be able to do that. If they are feeling flooded in that moment, then comforting them is going to be our first priority and helping them to re-regulate themselves. And then afterwards, we'll deal with the glitter on the mm -hmm. floor. So when we're re-regulating, we're, we're making eye contact if they're ready for it or if they're not ready for it, we're just holding them close if that's what they want or just sitting close by, whatever it is that's going to help them to re-regulate. And then when the pressure's down a little bit, we can say something like, um, you know, oh my goodness, I, I was rushing to shower because we need to be out of the house and I came out of the shower and there was glitter everywhere and all of a sudden I just felt like, I, I just couldn't control myself and I shouted at you and I saw how scared you looked. Were you scared? And allow them to fill in their part of the story if, they, if they're able to do that. Um, and, then, and then you can say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I shouted at you. I don't want you to feel scared like that. And, and our children will really respond to that coming from a, from a vulnerable, emotional place. And then we can also say something like, you know, I've been learning uh, some new tools that I've been uh, working on through this workshop, and I'm going to try something different next time. When I come out and, and I feel like I might yell, 
I'm going to try really hard to take a deep breath before I do that. And so if you see me doing that, you'll know that's why I'm doing it. And so we're explaining it to our children, what's going on as they're seeing us do these. And, and of course, anyone who's worked with a child on de developing emotion regulation, when we model regulating our own emotions, that's a big way that they learn to regulate their emotions. So we're teaching them in that moment a strategy they can use themselves as well. We're practicing it with them. Um, and yeah, so I, I absolutely would apologize and, and don't feel as though if you've never apologized before, you've somehow, you know, screwed up your child and everything is, is done beyond repair. Um, but you could even if, if it's happened in the last week, you could even go back and say, you know, can we talk about that thing that happened last week? Because that's not how I want to, to be in relationship with you. Can, I'm, I'm so sorry that that happened. And, and I'm learning some new tools and I'm, I'm trying to do things differently. I love that. Um, it takes such bravery to acknowledge that I did something wrong, first of all, mm -hmm. but then to acknowledge that to my child, if I have some sense of remorse about what I did and that it's connected to something bigger that I'm trying to stop doing. It's so hard to say the words, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> but I feel like yeah. every time we do it, it gets easier. Every time. Yeah. It's say, like saying vulva. Right. Penis. <laughs> yes. say the the more you say it, the easier it gets. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> Someone said they, they're new and just came on to upbringing recently. So that's a like an inside joke with respectful, you know, naming the body parts and getting getting practiced in that. But I think all of this and I think respectful parenting and this, you know, this type of parenting this aware, uh, awake, research informed, whatever you want to call it, parenting. It's, it's a different language for all of us, mm -hmm. all of us, right? And I think that this person wrote and said that they are realizing the methods they've used have been counterproductive and uh, against their desires for their kids and they're struggling to give themselves grace for the past. And I think that that is, that is what this process is about mm -hmm. is it's not just yeah. about moving forward. It's about, it's about honoring and examining and, and reckoning with, but really just giving grace to that past and, and saying that's yeah. what it was and what, what, what now, what's next? But, but I next? think because most of us have been trained to think an apology doesn't mean giving grace or making amends in a happy way. Mm -hmm. It means paying penance. Mm -hmm. It means mm -hmm. saying yeah. something you don't want to say. It means um, someone wins, someone loses. Yeah, it means <laughs> saying that you are wrong. And you did something bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have this amazing opportunity, just like the way that you were describing, to make an apology something that feels good for everybody, uh, for everybody that feels light, that feels um, like it is amending, like, a, you yeah. know, that, that it's filling out, that it's evening <clears throat> out, that it's a good thing, mm -hmm. that, that, that takes so much practice and in rewriting those impulses that, that says uh, apologizing is a negative thing. Apologizing says you are bad or you are wrong or even growing yeah. feels bad because it then reflects on what you've done or yeah. what you've said. Yeah. 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 And why, why is that? Why, why is apologizing so hard? Why is all this so hard? I mean, there's so much of the patriarchy baked into every aspect of this, right? Like you, it, it's desirable to be in a position of power, to be in a position of authority. If you're not the one in charge, then your kids must be in charge. And, and goodness knows we don't want that. <laughs> you know, there's no space for any other kind of relationship to exist where the parent isn't necessarily 
the domineering authority and the child also isn't the one who's ruling the roost. Yeah. Whereas when we can show up vulnerably in relationships with them, it gives them the space to do the same with us. And then we can actually work towards finding solutions to the problems, which are problems in our relationship between us. They're not my problems and your problems and you got to fix this and I got to fix that. It's, it's how do we show up together and, and be in relationship together in a way that, that we want that meets both of our needs. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think that's why the bookends of our resist approach are respect and trust. I mean, that's what happens in a, a conversation. Everything about us is in between respecting and trusting. Mm -hmm. all, that's where all the magic happens. You yeah. know? But I love that you yeah. said it's such an act of vulnerability. And I think that's why it's hard. And it only becomes more vulnerable the more challenging it becomes or the more pressure that's put on us to apologize or we're putting on our kids to apologize. It's saying anything about feeling that you were wrong or needing help or wanting to have made a different choice or mm -hmm. um, feeling confused or any of those things is, is a place of vulnerability. And so if we're trained that that's a negative space to be, yeah, then it feels negative anytime that comes up. I, I think All those are stereotypically feminine things, mm -hmm. right? right? Vulnerability mm -hmm. and confusion and not mm -hmm. knowing where to turn. And I, well, all of those things are stereotypically feminine. Yeah. So and I think even our triggers can be um, portrayed as patriarchal or aggressive and it can then mm -hmm. trigger us into shame. Someone mentioned every time I feel triggered or flooded, I feel as if I'm an addict that was clean and then released or relapsed. It feels awful. Shame yeah. and defeated myself, even though I apologize yeah. and catch myself quickly after. And that's the, the cultural programming that all of us are bringing into this is this feeling yeah. of if I apologize, I failed in some way. Or even says. if I'm triggered yeah. that I failed in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm like, that's another reason I think that I'm so excited to take the Taming Your Triggers is because it's, it's not just about the information and how do we want to kind of reprogram our thoughts and do these things, but it's also about just tending to that child inside of us and, mm -hmm. and, and, and giving ourselves that compassion that we are really struggling to give ourselves in these moments, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really not just about cognitively learning new tools. Like, yeah. yes, you need to learn new tools up here. Um, because if you don't, you won't be able to move forward, but also you have to take them on in your body. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, make a, what I call a non-cognitive shift, which mm -hmm. is kind of a, it's almost like something it's, it's so hard to explain, <laughs> but when, when you have one, you know it. And it's like, all of a sudden it just makes sense and it just feels right. And, and that doesn't mean I'm never going to mess up again, but it means that most of the time I'm able to live in alignment with my values because I've taken it on in a sort of beyond cognitive way. I'm not just thinking and oh, yeah, what's the script here? Okay, I'm supposed to say this and I'm supposed to take a deep breath and do this, this and this, but I'm beyond that and I've taken that on yeah. as just part of, of who I am. Beautiful. I think as we kind of wrap this up, I think we, I feel like we could talk about this for hours and hours and folks here are just, they're throwing out such beautiful, um, these gems of, of wisdom and of reflection and, mm -hmm. um, and I just, I wanted to, you know, for those of us, I mean, Kelty and I want to take your course because we know you and we were like a workshop, Jen, we're <laughs> and in. And we need it. And we need it. And, <laughs> no, but like we're, we're bought in. The trust is there, the, you know, it, it's there. But I think for folks who are new to you and your mm -hmm. parenting mojo, what could they expect from the course and, and kind mm -hmm. of give us, paint us a little bit of a picture of what to expect from the experience of signing up for this this course this workshop. And I don't even think we mentioned that it's in our LinkedIn profile for, mm -hmm. for folks to jump on and, and learn more about it. 
Yeah, so it's a 10-week workshop and we start as a group on March 1st. And the reason I run it in that way is because the community support aspect of it is so critical that, you know, I, I could give you all the information. I could make it what in the course world is called evergreen. So you can sign up whenever you want it because parents are like, I need this now. <laughs> but without that group support, you're you're kind of just on your own. And the experience is not as rich as it is when you're in a group. Um, and so it's uh, we do it at a pace of one module per week. And so you uh, get an email on a Monday morning and a, a link to find the latest module on our brand new, beautiful custom design learning platform. <laughs> and, and it'll take you five or 10 minutes to read each module. And there's a homework assignment with each one um, and a video as well to kind of deepen your learning a little bit on, on the particular content. And, and we really do it at a relaxed pace because uh, parents really find that they need the time to process the information. So when you're thinking about your relationship with your mother, <laughs> which is where a number of people have <laughs> triggers, um, that, that that's not something you can just kind of rush through in a day. But um, I, I have done a lot of exploring on the show about your your stories that your left brain has has told you and, and that your left brain is the one that's that's trying to kind of um, protect you. It's telling you these stories about, well, this is just the way I am. And, and there's nothing I can really do that's going to change this. And, and your left brain needs some time to work through its stories. <laughs> and then you can say, okay, you know what, left brain? <laughs> We've heard this narrative a number of times now. We're, we're going to try something a little bit different and then do the homework take a deep breath and then the next module comes on on the next Monday. Um, and so throughout the whole thing, you're in a private community that's not on Facebook because I've had so many requests for people um, from people who want to participate, but they're not on Facebook. They don't want to be on Facebook. And so we're hosting the community on a non-Facebook platform. And uh, you'll get support in finding an accountability partner uh, because I have seen that when you have that support structure, specifically, a, you know, one person that you're going to check in with and say, have you done it, the homework this week? Oh, no, I haven't done it yet. Well, what is it that's holding you up from doing it? Oh, well, yeah, I was thinking about this. And I, well, I overcome that by thinking about this and, you know, how much it was important to me. And you, you might want to try this. And, and so that that one on one support structure is really, really critical. So we'll help you find a partner if you need one or you can bring one in with you. If you know a friend <laughs> who needs this just as much as you do, you can bring your own partner and do it with them um, and so yeah so we're putting in place a lot of support mechanisms this time around to help people get through the hard stuff up front of understanding where do your triggers come from intergenerational trauma trauma that you've experienced trauma of unmet needs all of these kinds of ways that it shows up and then we start looking at okay how do we create space in this uh, this, situ this difficult situation we're having with our child. Because what we typically see is that parents kind of go through a process where initially there's no space between the child's difficult behavior and their reaction. There, there's nothing there. You look back afterwards and you think, oh yeah, I was supposed to do something different, wasn't I? <laughs> and and it, there was no possibility for that happening. Then we may find that in the moment that it's happening, we see, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be doing something different, but the words are still coming out of your mouth and you still sure. can't stop them. Still no space. Keep focusing on it. We create a tiny fraction of a second of pause. Initially, it's not enough to make a different choice. We, we pause, we think, yeah, this is not going to be helpful. And we say the thing anyway. And then we keep focusing on it. We keep making it bigger. And eventually it gets long enough to take a breath. 
Okay. Yep. I'm going to make a different choice here and I'm going to use different tools to show up in this relationship with my child in a way that's aligned with my values. And then we help you to do what is that? How are we going to do that? And then when you screw up, because you're going to screw up because we all screw up, how do I repair with my child? How do I make this something that isn't something that they're going to be, uh, you know, looking for therapy for in 20 years? <laughs> because yeah. my parent used to always explode whenever I did this. And, and now I'm feeling the same when I have a child. Yeah. That oh, sounds great. Sounds great. Sign me up. I love that idea. <laughs> it's like, it's a window of tolerance. That's what I want to just yeah. open my window of tolerance. Yeah. I just want everything to freeze so I can just like go lie on my bed for five minutes mm -hmm. and then come back and my kid is still frozen in time being like, <laughs> and then I come back into it. Like, can we create that mentally? That's what we're going yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and in that moment, creating some, some space for it to widen your window of tolerance, but also what can we do outside of that moment? You know, these triggers are things that happen over and over again. This is, this is not something that's catching you unaware every time it happens. This is something that's recurring over and over. And so we can plan for that. We can, we can put conditions in place to help us navigate those situations more effectively before they even come up. I think I've pictured as this like beautiful invisible hand on your shoulder, not like grabbing your shoulder, but like stroking it very gently <laughs> and lovingly. Remember, you're yeah. feeling a little triggered. You're safe right now. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. All the things. Um, some folks um, mentioned, they said, oh, two of my favorite podcasts in one place. I'm here for this. Sweet. Oh. <laughs> Check our link in bio. Sign up with us. Let's do this together. Um, a few other folks have been sharing um, their upbringings, which are so like beautiful to mm -hmm. hear. I grew up with a narcissistic mother. Reparenting myself mm -hmm. has brought up so much buried pain. And I think therapy is something I need for sure. And someone else yeah. said, yes, reparenting ourselves in these moments of shame and guilt after a trigger. I grew up very much feeling I had to be perfect and good to be loved. So much inner mm -hmm. child stuff. And, and I mean, this, this course, Jen, mm -hmm. the Taming Your Triggers workshop isn't therapy. It's not yeah. going to solve all of our childhood issues. But it's this yep. beautiful start. That's what I've gleaned from it is like, it's, you know, a lot of therapists have said, this is it. This is the starting place you want to kind of go at mm -hmm. as far as reparenting yourself, thinking mm -hmm. about these triggers specifically mm -hmm. with our kids. How else yeah. can you, you speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll definitely concur. This is not therapy. Um, and I'm not a therapist. <laughs> I have had people who have take the workshop realize, oh yeah, I might want to get some therapy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because great. something un is uncovered that they had no idea. You know, I had one parent who went through and just made a dramatic transformation. She said, um, you know, I, I, I always knew I had issues with my mother. I had no idea how much it was impacting my relationship with my son and with my husband yeah. on an hourly basis. You know, this is showing up throughout our lives. And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's really a starting point and it gives you a lot of insight. And for some people that insight is enough. Like the, the, the shift that can happen when you realize, oh, that's where that came from. For some people, that is an incredibly profound thing. And that can be enough to help them feel less triggered in the future. For others, it's like, okay, yeah, that feels, I'm glad I understand that, still feeling triggered. Then we come into the other tools as well. So, um, yeah, so it is possible you'll come out of this realizing you need more support and no shame in that at all whatsoever. <laughs> but either way, you will learn some skills and some tools that you can put to use immediately. Love that. Um, someone echoes the, the sentiments of uh, one, of your, one of your reviewees that says, I feel like this may also carry over to our relationship with our partners and our jobs. Would you say it does? Or more focused yes. on our children. 
Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yes, with our partners particularly, because we often end up partnering with people who mirror the kinds of relationships we had with our parents. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even if that relationship with our parents was so difficult and we think, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I'm not living with them anymore. And then we go and you know, decide to spend the rest of our lives with somebody who brings up the same stuff in us. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and, and it can be even more difficult when when we trigger each other, (laughs) when our partners had their own trauma and it ends up in this cycle of feeding each other. So I've had a lot of parents actually reach out and say, can I take this with my partner? And the answer is yes. Not only can you, but yes, please do this because firstly, it's going to help you um, because you're going to have a support mechanism built in. Mm -hmm. And secondly, when, when you're in this triggered moment, your partner's going to see what's going on as well. They're going to see that you're having this moment. They can tag you out and say, Hey, you need, you want to take a break? I got this really. Mm -hmm. I got it. Um, And, and you can do the same for them because they see how hard you're working on this and the progress that you're making. They have more patience with you. They have more tolerance. They're able to step up in ways that they would not have been able to step up with if they didn't understand this in the level that we're about to understand this going through the workshop. Yeah. I love that you're speaking to the fact that this isn't just about being less triggered with our kids or parenting in a different way. This is about developing as a person in the ways that we interact in relationships. Like I'm triggered with work stuff. I'm triggered with family stuff. I'm triggered with strangers. We were triggered by a stranger tonight, like on Instagram. (laughs) It can come from anywhere. And I feel like the skills that, that we can build in this workshop are universal in so Mm -hmm. many ways you know, focusing on that self-regulation, that patience, that awareness, all of these things that just can see us through so many different situations and different relationships. So cool. Yeah. Someone someone said, uh, especially that the therapists are all booked up and have waiting lists at the moment. Give me all the tools. Yes. Link in bio. (laughs) Someone else said, oh, I was just checking on Jen's page. So much good to dive into. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Treasure troves. Um, Someone else said, I've noticed recognizing those triggers and being more compassionate with my kids has improved the connection with my husband too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then someone else said, I struggle navigating my partner's triggers or floods and not resenting his parents who are active in our children's lives for their parenting style. I, yeah. I get that. I hear that personally. Mm-hmm. I experience that sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's really hard to, uh, to see our spouse's parents and see the struggles that you're having interacting with your spouse and be like, I see where that came from. (laughs) And and to have those people be a a regular part of your children's lives as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely a challenge Um, Mm -hmm. and showing up in those relationships with grace and compassion as well. And knowing that they did the best that they could and that, yeah, it has left you with all kinds of problems that the two of Mm -hmm. you now need to work on together Um, but you can do this. You, you can uh, make progress towards being in relationships in a way that, that is aligned with your values as people. Yeah, I love that. I feel like Esther Perel said something about that, that you marry your partner's childhood. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of childhoods we're dealing with as, as moms. We're dealing yep. with our own. We're dealing with our kids. We're dealing with our partners very often. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a lot to deal with. And so I'm just, I, I, I just, I'm so grateful that you have created this course. This is a course that Kelty and I like mm-hmm. need personally, we need for our community and mm-hmm. we're just, we feel so grateful you created it. 
We are so, um, we're really wowed by also the sliding scale that you've created, which we don't see in mm -hmm. courses for that pricing. for pricing that are really unique. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share that just before we kind of wrap up? Mm -hmm. I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really important to me that my work is accessible to everybody who wants to take it. Like I, I never want somebody to email me and say, Oh, well, I'd love to take Tame Your Triggers and I just can't afford it. And I, and for me to say, yeah, sorry, that's the price. You know, it's not going to happen. So, so I have, uh, there are four items on the sliding scale pricing. The first one is the full price. And, and basically I ask if you're a member of the dominant culture in, in the U S or in your country, um, and you have savings in the bank and you can afford to take a vacation every year, that's your price. If you uh, have debt and uh, meeting, meeting those kinds of uh, sort of extra expenses is difficult for you, there's a medium level price. If you are struggling to make ends meet and you don't have savings and you don't have regular access to healthcare, there's a sort of a, a lower tier price. Um, the fourth option is sort of a my cup is overflowing <laughs> option where if you recognize that you have more resources than the vast majority of other people and you want to help me subsidize some of the people who don't have as much uh, access to as many resources, then you can feel free to do that too. So those are the four official levels. Amazing. But if you, if you cannot even afford the lowest tier offering, just email me. The, the, the support email address is uh, on the website and we'll set you up with whatever you can afford. Um, I will say that I, I don't give it away for free because I feel like you have to be invested mm -hmm. to make change. If you have nothing invested in this, you're probably not going to log in. You're probably not going to see any difference. And I'm in the business of helping you to make the change that you want to make happen in your life. And so I will ask you to propose an amount that feels like it's a bit of a stretch for you, but not so much of a stretch. It's going to take food out of your children's mouths. And whatever that price is, wherever you are in the world, we will make that happen. And so everybody who wants to take this workshop can participate. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and talking so much about triggers and all this personal vulnerability and giving ourselves grace through these challenges with our kids and mm -hmm. just growing up alongside them. We so yeah. value that. Thanks for having me. It's always so much fun to talk with you, even, even when the subject matter is <laughs> difficult and challenging and, <laughs> and vulnerable. The hard stuff's the good stuff. We're all in this together. Really is. We're so grateful yeah. that you are in our orbit, Jen. Yeah, likewise. Got so many little messages popping in. So grateful for your resources. I'll ben, check well, on them afterwards. Awesome I wasn't able to keep track as they were coming in. <laughs> yeah. Love letters to you. Sliding Tons. scale. Jen, love. Jen always accommodates people, anyone who's interested in changing their lives. This messaging is so consistent with her messaging about privilege. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. A lot of folks who needed this tonight, mm -hmm. please join us in Taming Your Triggers. It's mm -hmm. not a heavy duty program where you're like stressed and doing homework. It is mm -hmm. not that type of program. It's going to take care of you. That's the feeling I get through those 10 weeks, like that we're being guided by this loving hand along through mm -hmm. this, this process. Um, and I just, I cannot think of a better person to guide us through this. So I hope you all will, will, um, Check out our link in bio for um, for Jen's page that has like all of the details, all of the questions, all of the FAQs, all the basic info. DM us if you have any other questions too, or Jen directly. Um, we're just we're grateful to have connected with you, Jen, and to be offering this to our community where we we couldn't have created this. You are this person. <laughs> this like we're meant to do this to bring this into our lives and our community's lives. We just feel so grateful. 
Thank you so much. It's such an honor to, to be in your orbit. Um, I love the work that you do and the way you show up for parents. So it's, it's truly inspiring. Same. All right, Jen. All right, everybody. Should we sign off? Have Let's a wonderful evening. <laughs> you too. In warm-ish California. Yeah. Good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.